0: Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. My turn to welcome you. If you're a guest of ours, we are honored to have you with us. You probably noticed, maybe you noticed, you probably didn't notice when you walked in the auditorium this morning, the banners that were there, kind of indicating a new sermon series. If you didn't see it on the banners, you probably saw it in your bulletin. You probably didn't see it in your bulletin. Not everybody reads the bulletin. The new sermon series that we're beginning today, if nothing else, you probably see it on the screen, that we are beginning a new sermon series today that I'm calling, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? And before I go any further, before we even get started in this series, I've got to throw out a disclaimer. Several weeks ago, I was talking to my daughter Maggie and she was asking me about you know, things coming up and what I was doing, what I was working on. I said, "Well, I'm, I'm kind of working on a new sermon series. I want to go through the, the sayings of Jesus, the "I am sayings of Jesus." But I haven't quite figured out the hook, you know, the, the title, you know, "Jesus in His own words," or "Jesus According to Jesus." But none of that seemed quite right. And Maggie said, "How about, um, "Will the real Jesus please stand up?" "Hmm. Interesting, not bad. Last week, I was talking to Maggie, and I said, oh, by the way, I'm using your idea for my sermon series title. I'm going to use, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? She said, I like that. But, Dad, I'm surprised that you recognize the reference. And I'm like, why would I not recognize that? I mean, that is me. That is right up my alley. Of course I recognize that reference. You know, one of the greatest game shows ever on television. She said, that's not what that's from. (laughs) I said, sure it is. She says, No, that's that's from a rap song. With a real slim shady, please stand up. And I'm like, it is not. She said, Yeah. It's with a real slim shady, please stand up. I said, It's from To Tell the Truth, a game show that ran for decades. Maggie said, Nobody my age knows that. Well, Slim Shady stole that line from a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production. In fact, I told told Maggie Slim Shady stole his name from Slim Pickens, too, apparently. But she didn't know who that was either. So, I understand there's a little bit of a generational thing going on here with my title. But I want you to make sure there's no confusion about who we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about Jesus. We're going to focus on Jesus. For the next several weeks. And to kind of set up my thoughts this morning, I, I want to make you aware of an interesting little booklet that came out a while back by the, written by a guy named Paul Dickinson. And the little booklet is just entitled Names. And Mr. Dickinson has a hobby, I guess, of collecting strange, unusual names. Not, not exactly that they're strange and unusual, but that the person's name is sort of prophetic when it goes to what he does for a living, what she does for a living. For instance, there's a guy named Joe Bunt who is a batting uh, coach for baseball. There's a guy by the name of Dan Druff. I'm not making that up. I don't know who would name their kid Dan if their last name was Druff, but Dan Druff is a barber. There's two fellows by the name of Go Forth and Catch em who ended up being partners in a police uh, unit. Two guys by the name of O'Neill and Prey went into the church furniture business together. And then there's a whole section of this book that talks about doctor's names. Kind of the good and the bad of doctor's names. Some of them were pretty hard to maybe live up to. For instance, names like Dr. Brilliant, and Dr. Abel, and Dr. Fix, and Dr. Heal. And then there's a few that were a little bit scary like Dr. Lance and Dr. Probe and Dr. Hack. There's even somewhere in America a Dr. Klutz. <laughs> Spelled differently, but it's pronounced Klutz. Now, who, who are you seeing tomorrow for your surgery? Yes, I'm seeing Dr. Klutz tomorrow. I don't know, I might change my name if I was that guy. I might change my doctor if I, he was my doctor. But uh, our identity is important, Right? We understand that. Who we are and what we are is important. Proverbs 22 tells us, A good name is more desirable than great riches, to be esteemed better than silver and gold. Our identity matters. And it's not going to surprise any of you that the fastest growing crime in America is identity theft. I saw a statistic that said in 2017, last year, over 15 million Americans were the victims on some level of identity theft with a cost of over $16 billion. And those numbers are only going up. It is important to guard your identity. It always has been. We're going to spend the next several weeks looking at the identity of Jesus. I and mean, if Christianity is all about Jesus, then we want to know about Jesus, right? Right? I want to know the real Jesus. Isn't that what Paul said in in Philippians 3? We, we, We just sang it. I want to know Christ. Paul said, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. I don't have to tell you that there are a whole lot of perceptions about who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. There's a whole lot of opinions out there about who the real Jesus is. In fact, if you talk to 10 people, you might get 10 different opinions about who the real Jesus is. But the focus of this series is not going to be on what anyone else says about Jesus. It's not going to be about anyone else's opinion of Jesus. We want to look at the words of Jesus. If we're going to talk about the real Jesus, then let's listen to the real Jesus. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to John chapter 6. You're going to need your Bibles today. Some of these verses are going to be on the screen, but there will be several that aren't, so if you got your Bible, I hope you do, open it up to John chapter 6. John is a very unique gospel. I love the gospel of John. Eight different times in John's gospel, Jesus is going to make the statement, I am something. And he fills in the blank. I am, and sometimes he uses a metaphor, sometimes he doesn't. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. And in the sixth chapter of John, Jesus tells a group of people, I am the bread of life. And that's where we're going to begin this series this morning. Jesus' statement, I am the bread of life. What did He mean by that statement? Where did it come from? And what's it mean to us? It's an interesting analogy. We're going to take a look at that statement this morning and see what, Jesus, the real Jesus, says about Himself. But before we actually get to the text, i got to tell you, if you don't understand the context of this conversation, the statement that Jesus makes really doesn't make very much sense. John chapter 6 opens with Jesus performing a miracle. In fact, the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels, except with the exception of the resurrection, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with just a handful of bread and a couple of fish. It's the only miracle that all four Gospels record. Jesus feeding 5,000 people. It was an amazing miracle. It was witnessed by thousands of people. In fact, it's a miracle that thousands of people experienced. Thousands of people participated in this miracle. They ate the food. All they could eat. In fact, 12 basketfuls of leftovers were were collected. It was an impressive miracle. It was a memorable miracle. And notice the crowd's response to this miracle. When the people saw this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely He is the prophet we have been expecting. Jesus saw that they were ready to take Him by force and make Him king, so He went higher into the hills alone. Jesus performs this incredible miracle and He has their attention the crowd comes to the conclusion, that's our guy. Yeah, we think he's the one. We're going to make him king. Everyone's excited about Jesus at the beginning of John chapter 6. By the time you get to the end of John chapter 6, the tide of public opinion is going to turn. Not nearly as many people are going to be excited about Jesus by the end of the chapter, but at the beginning of the chapter, everybody's excited about Jesus. Between the the mountain and the valley, Jesus is going to make a statement. He's going to talk about being the bread of life. Let's take a look at John chapter 6. And I've got verse 35 on the board there, but I actually want to back up to verse 24 so we get a little bit more of the the context of what's going on. When Jesus has slipped away from the crowd. When the crowd saw that Jesus wasn't there, nor His disciples, I'm in verse 24, they got into the boats... And went across to Capernaum to look for him. when they arrived and found him, they asked, "Teacher, how did you get here?" Jesus replied, "The truth is, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you saw the miraculous sign, but you shouldn't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that I, the Son of Man, can give you for God, the Father has sent me for that very purpose." They replied. What does God want us to do? Jesus told them, This is what God wants you to do. Believe in the one He sent. They replied, You must show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What will you do for us? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. As the scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I assure you, Moses didn't give them bread from heaven. My father did. And now... He offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said, give us that bread every day of our lives. Then I've got verse 35 on the screen. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry again. Those who believe in me will never thirst. Jesus makes that very famous statement, I am the bread of life. And as we consider Jesus' claim, I want to take a look at what He says, but I also want to take a look at the people that hear what He has to say. There are several subgroups in the audience that day as Jesus makes this statement. I think there are some lessons that we can learn from the different groups that are hearing Jesus speak. And the first group is the give me group. This group is looking for political solutions, they're they're looking for free handouts. They see Jesus as the latest and greatest gravy train. Just just give us. Just give us. We like this. Yeah. We're gonna hang out with you for a while. Free bread, free fish. Yeah, we're gonna hang out with you, Jesus. In fact, we'll get that little boy to bring you know chicken fingers tomorrow in his lunch. Now what could you do with that? And Jesus tells this group in verse 26, the truth is, you want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you saw the miraculous sign. You don't care about me. You care about what I can give you. You only care about what I can do for you. You only care about me on a very physical, extremely selfish level. You know, there are a lot of people still today that sort of see their relationship with Jesus as one of, okay, Jesus, you give and I'll take. I want this and I want that. and I think I sort of deserve those. So as long as you keep giving me what I think I deserve, Jesus, you and me are going to get along just fine. Now, before you start feeling sort of spiritually smug and superior, isn't that sort of human nature? We would never admit that, but don't we all sort of think, what's in it for me? Ronald Reagan once very famously said, the American people are like the digestive system of a very small baby, an insatiable appetite at one end and no regard for responsibility at the other. There are people who look to Jesus for only what they can get from Jesus. And should He ever fail to supply what they think they deserve, they're pretty quick to leave go somewhere else. Same thing happens in John chapter 6, by the way. Well, there's another group of people that are present that day. They're the tell-me group. Verse 28, they replied, What does God want us to do? Okay, if we can't get a free lunch, at least give us a set of rules that we can follow because we like rules. We like lists of things to tell us what to do and what not to do. It's a whole lot easier to focus on rules than it is to try to uh, focus on a relationship and build a relationship. Just tell me the do's and don'ts. Just tell me the can's and can'ts. Just tell me what has to be done and I'll do my best to do it. Sixteen-year-old girl calls her mother and says, "Mom, I got eight out of ten on my driver's test." The other two guys managed to jump out of the way at the last minute. <laughs> A lot of Christians, we think, all I have to do is follow the rules. All I have to do is be good enough. You no, know, eight out of ten—that'll get me in. Just, just tell me what I need to do. Let me check off my list of duties without any thought about the reason behind the rules, the purpose of the rules. And when you look at the New Testament, Jesus always seems to have problems with rule keepers, doesn't he? Think about the scribes and the Pharisees and those leaders. Those people who were supposed to know the law better than anyone. In fact, it was their job to explain the law, to tell everybody what they can and can't do. Jesus had very little patience for those people. You think about the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus one day and says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' first response is, how are you doing at keeping the rules? And this guy is like, I'm so glad you asked that question. That is my wheelhouse. I am great at keeping the rules. I've been keeping the rules my whole life. Of course, Jesus sort of is setting him up to teach him that this thing goes a lot deeper than just keeping rules and Jesus challenges this young man in a way that he's not willing to be challenged and we're told that he leaves and he leaves sad that's the tell me group but in John chapter 6 Jesus has a surprising answer for the tell me group Jesus told them this is what God wants you to do believe in the one he sent you want a rule I got a rule for you Here's your rule. Believe in Me. Believe in Me. That's your rule. As amazing as it sounds, Jesus desperately wants a relationship with us. In real relationships, they're not built on rules. Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Don't put words into my mouth. I, I am not saying that there are no rules in the Christian life because there are. There are things that God has told us to do. There's things that God has commanded us not to do. All for our own good, by the way. I'm just saying that we get so hung up on the rules that sometimes we miss the rule maker. We get so hung up on the law that we ignore the law giver. Which brings me to another group that was present that day. And that's the Wow Me group. They wanted Jesus to wow them with another sign. Show us another miracle. These people asked Jesus this absurd question in verse 30. They replied, you must show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What will you do for us? Again, think about the context here. Jesus has fed 5,000 people. Maybe twice that many. He says 5,000 men that he's fed 5,000 men with just this handful of food, amazing, the very next day, these people are asking for a sign. What's next? Come on. Show us another miracle. Wow us. Then we'll believe in you. It's really easier than you might think to slip into that mindset today even. Wow us, and we'll keep coming back. Wow us, and we'll pay attention. Bore us, and we're going to look for something else a little bit more exciting. Forget about actually understanding God's Word. Forget about the, the discipline that's involved in spiritual growth. I just want to go from mountaintop to mountaintop. No valleys. I, I just want you to wow me. Now, I'm not saying that as an excuse to be boring. I would never argue that the Lord's church should be boring or tiresome or tedious. Quite the opposite. I think the Christian life is the most exciting life on the face of the earth. And personally, I think worship should be exciting. I think it should be joyful. I think it should be moving. But if all we look for is the rewards and no responsibility, we're missing it. We're missing what Jesus is trying to teach us and tell us and give us. We're missing the real relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. We'll just be disappointed. Well, by the time you get to the end of John chapter 6, the give me people are gone. The tell me people aren't listening anymore. The wow me group has moved on. In fact, verse 66 says at this point, many of His disciples turned away and deserted him. Big crowd at the beginning of the chapter. Not such a big crowd by the end of the chapter. So who's left? Who's left by the time we get to the end of this chapter? Really just the filmy crowd. I've got verse 35 on the screen there again. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry again. Those who believe in me will never thirst. Let me keep reading a little bit further. But you haven't believed in Me even though you've seen Me. However, those the Father has given Me will come to Me and I will never reject them. For I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent Me, not to do what I want. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all that He's given Me, that I should raise them to eternal life on the last day. For it's My Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. It's My Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life that I should raise them at the last day. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to Me will ever be hungry again. The only people left by the time we get to the end of John chapter 6 is that group that just very simply and very humbly says, Jesus, would You fill us Look at verse 66. At this point, many of His disciples turned away and deserted Him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you going to leave too? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You alone have the words that give eternal life. We believe them. And we know. You're the Holy One of God. Peter understands what most of the crowd completely missed. The apostles weren't there for fish sandwiches. And the apostles weren't there to see a revolt led against Rome. They're not there for a new set of rules that they have to follow. They're not there for a Jesus pep rally or another miracle crusade. They are there because they believe. In fact, Peter says, We know you are the Holy One. We know you are sent from God. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. We believe you are the bread of life. Psalm 1611 says, You've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence and eternal pleasures at your right hand. Question as we close. Had you been in that group that day, that crowd... Which group would you have identified with? The give me crowd? The tell me crowd? The wow me crowd? Or the fill me crowd? By the way, you are in a crowd today. (laughs) What are you doing here? Who are you identifying with? Why did you come? I just came to get what I could get. I just want me, me, me. Give, 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 and I'm going to take, take, take. Now, just tell me the rules. Tell me what to do this week. Tell me how good I have to be to be good enough. No, I want to be moved. I want to be next. This week has to be better than last week. Are you here to be filled? Are you here because the real Jesus is the bread of life? The real Jesus who said, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry again. Had you been in the crowd that day, would you have been hungering and thirsting to be filled with the bread of life? You're in a crowd today. Are you hungering and thirsting to be filled with the bread of life? Because that's who the real Jesus is. We've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement this morning. If we can help you, pray with you, help you in any way, minister with you and to you, there'll be some people here at the front of the auditorium. If you'd meet us there, let's stand and sing.